0: This is Trois Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, United take a gander at Xander. And Dundee have a big decision to make on Griff. Hello, and welcome to Trois Teams. Happy New Year to everyone out there. And to George Cran and Graham Finnan, who are joining me this week, for what George tells us is the hundred and fiftieth edition. George, does that mean we've had more editions than
1: listeners? Possibly, <laughs> that's right. It's, it's a close call. I think we passed. I think we passed that mark quite a while ago.
2: star like, <laughs> yeah, maybe about a year ago. <laughs> yeah. We got to
1: double figures. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but actually, there, there is a, because of this Omicron, there is a chance with people isolating or suffering the, the the dreaded disease, there is a chance we'll have a few more new listeners, so I'd like to welcome them. And I'd also like to welcome those who partake in that traditional British pastime of, if it's going to boot, I'm saying I've got it. So <laughs> as long as they're not on the golf course and they're listening to this. Everybody's welcome, <laughs> whatever your reason for listening. But right into it this week, because it's the transfer window, it's what we've all been waiting for. And after the slow start at Dundee United, bit of news, Xander Clark could be coming, George. He could be,
1: news broke just this morning, just before <laughs> we on the podcast, so that for, was once actually, Did... <laughs> for once we're actually up to date, but we won't, won't I suppose by, by the time this goes out, we'll be out of date. All right. <laughs> I think it's a really ambitious move for, for United. Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, that Sanders is a serious goalkeeper. Um, should have been in the Scotland squad more than he has been, in my opinion. And he's been excellent throughout his entire time at St. Johnston. Been one of the strongest keepers in the league, really, for, for a number of years. Uh, I think he starts back that up this this season as well. He's, he's right up with the, the best. Um, United obviously have... Another goalie who's right up there with the best in the league, but well, our goalie's I, one club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this maybe t- tells us that they're not confident keep in keeping Benji Seagris beyond beyond the summer. But if if you're gonna replace a good keeper like that, then you want somebody like Xander Clark, don't you?
0: Yeah, bear good. Good, but he's going through a sticky spell in terms of results, but more good sort of Thought process, if you like, by Tam Courts, because everybody knows that there's a very good chance that Seagrast will be on his way this summer, and might have been on his way last summer if he hadn't been injured, because he's he's a goalkeeper. Of a lot of clubs down south, and even up here are looking at.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it should come as no surprise, you right? know, they're are, are getting a keeper in. Obviously, um, you know, they were going to be needing someone Seagrast out of contract in the summer. Trevor Carson, uh, as we'll, we'll probably touch on, has gone to. Has uh, joined his old boss at Morecambe, so they are they are, are going to be needing a goalkeeper. Um, and if you can bring in someone like Xander Clark, you know it would be a seamless transition, as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I was never sure about Xander going back four or five years. I was never sure he, ha- he he really did have the potential. But you were you were hearing good noises from St Johnston and the people that go to watch St Johnston on a regular basis. This was a this was a top top keeper. And I've got to say, the more I've seen of him, the more I've been converted. He is he is now at the top of his game, as we've seen that he's been called in to the international squad, and rightly so. And the big thing for a goalkeeper, Tom, is obviously consistency. And that, that's the number one thing, as far as I'm concerned, with goalkeepers. They can do things on a regular basis. And he has proven that over over the course of, you know, a couple of seasons And 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 he's right up there. And uh you know, it'd be a, it'd be a big uh, feather in Tamco's hat if he could manage to get Seagree's deal over the line. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll have other suitors. We've heard Aberdeen could be interested as, uh, as well. But, uh, yeah, Xander Clark would would be a big, big signing for Dundee United. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, George, as Bear says, says, um, Xander Clark's interest in Aberdeen. It strikes me, you know, he might go to Aberdeen because he'd have to change his name to Eck to come and... Work in Dundee. Xander's fine up in Aberdeen, and I don't know why it's acceptable in <laughs> Perth, but to me, he be
1: ek. Well, I'd, I can only, the only Xander's I, I can remember in Scotland are Xander Clark Xander yes. Diamond. So uh, he was Aberdeen. So it's, a, it's
0: a strange northeast Version it. of um, Alexander. As far as I'm aware, somebody can
1: yeah, email in and correct me sure on that. Sean. Yeah. Um, now, I've been a big fan of Alexander Clark for, uh, <laughs> for a, a long time now. Um He, he was on loan at my club, obviously, when, when I was working at or just when I kind of started doing media stuff with Queen of the South and stuff. So he spent a couple of years with us. He was excellent. Uh, could tell he was going to move on and maybe not become a Scotland goalkeeper. He's not quite had a cap yet, but you could tell that, that there was real ability there and, and he's gone on to show that. Yeah. Um, Obviously, got a couple of cups in his back pocket as well, or winners medals. Uh, what was the question again? I've completely. I, forgotten. I
0: was I was talking rubbish about his name, so I can't remember oh, either. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for the start, it wouldn't surprise me if there's other clubs interested because, as well as twenty nine, he's been in great form for two or three, four years now. He also he fits the bill. He's a good. If you were to describe that physically, what a goalkeeper should be, he's he's a perfect specimen, isn't he?
1: Yeah, and you'd think down south clubs are st- certainly seem to be taking a lot more uh, interest in, in Scottish players. I, th- I think it's it's a lot harder these days to get uh, players in from the, the continent with Brexit and all the rules that come with that. So yeah, I think, politics, and, man. I know, but um, we've also got a lot of good players up here and, and I, th- I think clubs are starting to, notice that, um, and no doubt Xander Clark's agent, at the very least, will be sounding some out and seeing if there's if there's any big contracts to be got down there. Um, but United will be right in the mix, I would imagine. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's that's a bit the, the, the big question that occurs to me. I mean, 30 years ago, it would have been a toss of coin where he went to, 10 years ago, five years ago, you would have said that he'd have gone to Aberdeen. But now it's a hard one to call, isn't it? Bear, if you were given the choice between United and Aberdeen, it's it's especially I suppose the fact that it's two rookie managers makes it something to think about for a player.
2: Well, 29 uh, for me is is he's at his peak. He's at his peak, but that doesn't mean that it goes sort of all downhill from here. He, he just has to look at his his international colleague Craig Gordon playing at 39 yeah. and the level he has played at. I think. It's a big one for Xander because George has mentioned the clubs where he's been and, well, he's, he'll have earned a comfortable living. I don't think he's earned enough money to say, I, I, I've got enough in the bank to put my feet up when I retire and, and I not have to worry about earning a crust. So it's a big move for him financially in terms of where he goes. Now, well yeah. done to United and Aberdeen will be offering him improved terms. If somebody comes could come in from England and could blow that out of the water with, with an offer, which could turn his head completely, you know, and I'm sure his agent's sort of working on that sort of thing as well. So, well, while we're looking at United and Aberdeen, and, you know, hopefully if, if Tam Courts is after him, he, he does end up at Tanadise. But they might be priced out of the market. This might not simply have the finance to be there. I also think that this is now a firm admission from Tam Courts that he's obviously spoken to Benji Seagreis and, and tried to cajole him, I would imagine, to, to stay on. But this is an admission that Benji Seagreis will definitely be leaving if not in this window, hope definitely in the summer when his contract runs out. So um yeah, it's an interesting one, uh, but it's you know, it's 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 all in the heart at the moment and it could boil down to finance. Xander hasn't had the sort of cash that a lot of players have had in the past and you know, you've got to look after yourself in this game. So we'll see where it goes over the next two or three yeah, weeks.
0: I mean he's picked up a couple of trophies at St John's Yeah, Tunes, of course. So it's, it's a good time to turn these turn these thoughts that he's securing his financial future, isn't it? I think so.
2: I think. I mean, you've got. You never, never know what's round the corner, Tom. In, in football. I think for goalkeepers, obviously, there is a there's a, a slightly more hope that you will be able to play on a wee bit of longer than 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 uh, you know your outfield players. Just for the nature of the beast, you're not having to run about during the game and putting crunching tackles all the time. But you just you just never know. So, as I say, the the fact that Zander, you know, you have made a bit of money in the game, but. I'm sure if, if, if he has discussions with his family, and that you know, where's he wanting to go? What's he, what sort of deal is he looking for? And can Dundee United and Aberdeen find the sort of cash that can attract him to that? There's also the thing as well, Tam, that he, he has broken in to the international scene, and rightly so. He's on the periphery. Now, we always felt that he should have had been involved far more sooner. But the fact that he was at St Johnston, and no disrespect to St Johnston, but. Because they weren't one of the the bigger so-called clubs in Scotland, he was overlooked. Well, he's got his foot in the door here. Now, I'm just wondering if he thinks about that and he thinks, this could be another thing. Would you want to go down south and earn maybe a few grand more a week? Or would you rather stay in Scotland, be in the spotlight at Dundee United and Aberdeen and maybe give yourself a better opportunity of getting international recognition or, or be maybe down in League One in England Playing with some club that you know, none of us really follow. I'm sure Steve Clark would be following, but I might hinder his opportunities to actually you know become Scotland's number one because Craig Gordon, let's be honest, Craig Gordon's 39, so there's going, there is going to be an opportunity soon for another keeper to come in there, and he's he is right at the forefront of getting in
1: with the Scotland thing. The number three slot is a straight shot between him and Liam Clark, so I think Bear makes a good point that would Xander Clark want to? Kind of out of the out of the spotlight, but Liam Clark, Liam Kelly is sorry, um, and he gets the rod over as under Clark. and under Clark has to bide his time or, or wait for another chance, which might not come. So but I think I, a
0: good point. Uh, yeah, like you say, guys. At the same at the same time, I mean, God forbid, but as soon as March, Steve Clark could be thinking about a new number one for Scotland because Craig Gordon mm-hmm. is thirty nine, and if if we don't qualify for the World Cup, you might think that's a that's a natural break to start looking for a younger goalkeeper. So, like you say, the other thing that occurs to me is there's two clubs where, if we accept Segrist's almost certainly going to move on in the summer eh, and good luck to them. Officially, at least, they've still got United and Aberdeen still have well-regarded goalkeepers on their books and Trevor Carson and What's the boy at Aberdeen? I forgot. I've gone blank. Joe Lewis. Joe. Joe, Lewis. Joe, Joe <laughs> Lewis. Aye, he was a very good boxer. As well. <laughs> no, but it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. There, Trevor Carson's just this week going to teamed up with Stephen Robinson, his old Motherwell boss, on loan at uh, Morcom down south for the rest of the season. And you wonder, Bear, is that is that a guy that? An experienced goalkeeper who hasn't taken to being a number two, or is—is is that him getting game time with a view of coming back and being number one at United in, in next season?
2: Yeah, I think there's a few things in there. One, he's go—I—I I think he, he, as any goalkeeper does, Tom, you want to play games, and he's a man who has played a lot of first team football throughout uh, his career. Um, sitting on the bench for a goalkeeper must be a, a nightmare. Obviously, we spoke about this before we came on air. That, you know, when back in the day when I when I started playing, certainly, junior football, teams didn't carry uh, second goalkeepers. If your, go- if your goalie got injured, you basically stuck an outfield player in the goal, which was never ideal, I've got to say, but normally somebody stood up and <laughs> and took the gloves. Um, normally, I heard to say, it was normally the wee right winger <laughs> who couldn't have touched a crossbar. But, but nowadays, obviously, carrying two goalkeepers... It would never have been for me. I mean, sitting. On, you want to play games. I mean, I know it's a, a, a professional world. is a different world because it's your wage, and you're get, at the end of the day, you've got to look after yourself and make sure you, you're getting a wage. But it must be a, really frustrating for him. Um, I think obviously going down to Morecambe, he wouldn't be going down there to not play games. <laughs> so he's obviously his old manager, Stephen Robinson, has had a wee word with him. Um, you would like to think all of it's a, a lot bo- of money to be made in work be is it cockles yeah. or something to pick there?
0: <laughs> well, he just likes to see. <laughs> I saw Har- yeah. I was Bizarrely, I saw Hartley Pool was interested. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the only seaside teams <laughs> maybe, that want to
2: sign him. Maybe difficult,
1: but, difficult with the gloves on. Though. Yeah, uh,
2: well, absolutely. <laughs> I, but, oh, I never thought of that, George. Yeah, thing. I think he's. I think he's been told he's going to get a bit more game time. I would imagine the money is is obviously going to be exactly what he's on at, at this point in time, you know, but there might be a contract at the end of it for him which is a wee bit more more lucrative. Um so yeah, we'll see, we'll see where it goes, but I've got a sneaking feel, and it's it's more with a an eye to moving on, Tom, than with an eye to coming back to Tarandice and being being number one, yeah.
0: I noticed Stephen Robinson actually, George, he he s I hadn't realised that, but Stephen Robinson signed him for Motherwell as well, so he's obviously a favourite. And I believe You've got some information into who might be the unhappy goalkeeper at Morecambe just now.
1: <laughs> well, it was actually our uh, colleague, Scott Lorimer, on, uh, un, un, what do you say, unravelled? I was going to say unravelled, but unearthed the fact that it's Kyle Leatheran who's already at Morecambe, and we will just discuss discussing Dundee hero. his previous, yeah, his his previous uh, dislike of being number two yes. at Dundee, and how that went, so interesting, that interesting. He's, he's a good goalkeeper and he's, he's had a good career as well. It's interesting to see how that goes. Uh, in terms of Carson, I, I get the feeling Carson was signed by United in the summer with the view that Benji Segrist would be going. Yeah. I think that was maybe part of why Carson came. And obviously Segrist had that injury and it, it, it maybe just stopped any move for the for the Swiss goalie. And, and Carson's had to just kind of bind his time because he's a good goalie. I, I think... He's a number one goal. He's, he's, I'm not sure he should be sitting on the bench for for, for anyone really, but interesting to see if he sits on the bench at Morecambe. It doesn't sound like no. he will, but a um, couple of good goals he's got there. Yeah,
0: down. It's, an, it's an interesting one. It'll be, I know, as I say, it's uh, interesting to see how going back to Xander Clark, if it is a choice between United and Aberdeen, it's an interesting, the whole thing surrounding, I think as well. I mean, we are saying Joe Lewis, I don't I think it's a bigger problem for Aberdeen, this story coming out during this window, mm. if it is going to be a pre-contract for the rest, you know, as we'll look at the months ahead this season, than it is for United, because everybody accepts Seagusts going, but there might be a Joe Lewis and another couple of unhappy goalkeepers at Aberdeen just now for Stephen Glass to manage.
1: <laughs> well, I think there's, there's been kind of rumblings of that, because Joe Lewis got yeah. dropped for a wee while, didn't he? Um, so I think not think Stephen Glass has been too happy with... His goalkeeping options. Although Joe Lewis has been brilliant for Aberdeen over the years. So I'm not sure he's been at his best this season, but aye, I'm i sure it all I is. must I
0: agree with you. I must admit, if I was thinking of strengthening the team, that wouldn't be the Aberdeen team, that wouldn't be the position that sort of sprung to mind immediately for a change.
2: Joe Lewis, Derek, Derek McInnes was always a, a big fan of Joe Lewis, wasn't he? I mean, he, he loved him. He loved him. And, and and Joe Lewis loved playing, loved playing under Derek McInnes. He was, a, as George said, he's, he was a key man for Aberdeen all, all, all those seasons when when Rangers weren't there. And, and you know, it was Aberdeen that were pushing, pushing Set like well, as far as they could. Joe Lewis was a big player for them, but he has had a dip in form this season, as every everyone does. And there's a new, the new regime in place, and sort to say, if a manager sort of gets it in his head that he's not really what what he's looking for, you know. Um, even though he's got him back in the team now, you know the doubts the doubts are springing, and when this story breaks, obviously, you know, Lewis is. Uh, I, I don't know. He'll not go knocking at the manager's door, but he'll obviously think that you know the manager doesn't have rate him. Maybe on the his honestly, previous agent or, to find yeah. me somewhere in the summer. Well, it could be. him. Joe Lewis, I think Joe Lewis is 36, 37 now. You know, so he's not. He's he's got a few years left, and I, I like Joe Lewis, but. Uh, yeah, things, things move on. So it's, it's obviously Stephen Glass. It's an area Stephen Glass is looking, looking to strengthen. And uh, I wonder if there'll be a, a, a shootout between them and United to get Xander Clark in. Returning
0: to United, I see also the, the, the early talk this window that Crystal Palace could be making another yeah. journey to Tarnadice. They're reportedly very keen on young Kerr Smith.
1: Yeah, th- I think... Um... As far as I'm aware, Dundee United have, have kind of quashed that that rumor. I don't, I don't think uh, how much. I'm sure there'd be interested. Well, George, it's sort but, of sleet uh, sure. the
0: day, so I never went and got a paper. Come on, eh? I'm Sorry. getting old.
1: I've got to well, watch. My I health. don't think it's been a, We've not had it in our papers because Dundee United have kind of said it's not. If there is interest, it's nothing they're aware of. Um, so, are off keep in the last. An day. eye on. I know. Sometimes, yeah. So we'll wait and see on, on that one. Um, well, he's been out of the team a wee bit recently. Uh, just interested to see how he's. He's still very he young. Is. I think United have a lot of good young players, and they want to want to develop them as much as they can. Um,
0: yeah, it's going to be a place that clubs look. I mean, I know dude, we, we've we mentioned earlier in the season Scott Banks is, although he's he's not uh, in the first team. Uh, at Palace, Patrick Vieira has been praising his progress at Mm. under-23 level and he's been on the bench a few times, so uh,
1: it's... The real worry is though so you go down there and you just kind of get lost in the, in the in the system. So I, I, I prefer players to stick around and, and get some game time under the belt, which Kersmith smith is is getting a bit. I hate,
0: I hate to say this again so early in the podcast, George, but I totally agree with you. I, I, I always have a fear, and I see the, the the actual the story I read was they they they, they would like to add him to their under twenty three squad, which is understandable given his age. But I tend to think these days now these these English Premiership clubs will think nothing of. Spending two, three, four hundred grand on a player that they'll only ever play under 23 level. And when he's too old for that, they'll probably get their money back from a championship or a League One club. So I never know, I'm never sure it's a great move for the kids unless they're being told you're you're first team potential at this Mm -hmm. club. And
1: well, the, the, uh, there's a previous example, Ali Coote, if everyone, anyone remembers yeah. him at United, he, he left it at Brentford under-23s, I think it was. He went and joined. Um, and he, he's he gone on to play in Ireland. I think he's done quite well in Ireland, but it's kind of disappeared a little bit from the from the limelight.
0: And bear on, I mean, on that subject, I remember um, speaking to Louis Aper not long before I gave up my full-time uh, writing occupation, and he said the biggest... Uh, leap forward for him was good. I think it was at Broughty mm-hmm. Athletic yep. he went to yep. for a yep. season because he was playing with men and it was tough and it yep. was hard. I remember as well, going further, slightly further back, Gary Boland saying to me, Scott Fraser did great at Airdrie and part of, the, part of the learning process he got, Scott Fraser got when he went on loan to Airdrie as a kid, was guys who were saying, if we win we three of the last six games, I'm going on holiday this summer with the bonuses. <laughs> and, and and guys are, you know, guys were in your face saying, yeah. son, this, this, it's maybe only a 100 quid win bonus to you, but it matters a lot to us. Yeah. And and it is it, 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 the physicality and the mental approach at first team level in the men's game mm-hmm. can be great for kids as opposed to playing in the very sort of technically refined under-23s or under-18s leagues and stuff like that where they learn great skills, but you learn how to be a pro when you're playing with men, don't you?
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Louis appears That uh, could
0: be taken another yeah.
2: way. <laughs> Louis Apera is a, <laughs> a, a, a shining example of, of someone who's done that. And, you know, Tam Coates could, could point to him. I mean, Tam Coates has his own experience, obviously, I uh, uh, spent a long time in the, in the junior world and, and knows, knows what it's all about. But for United, I mean, like George says, they've got umpteen talented kids who have all been given a fair bit of game time this season. So it's no surprise to me that, that you know, it's, it's probably a surprise that there's not more of them being linked with, with academies down south. But it's that choice, Tom. It's that choice. You've got to make the right choice. And you, you, your head can be turned sometimes with the figures that are put in front of you at an age like that. But it's the development aspect of it, and I'm with George, I think if, if you've got a manager who's willing to give kids a chance, which he has done, and you're in his thoughts it would be my personal belief that you should stay exactly where you are. You should stay exactly where you are and and take your chance and try and get into that Dundee United first team. And and before you know it, you could find yourself an integral part of that team. And and the manager will find it difficult to leave out. And, and, you know, then you can. Then you can be in a very strong position if you do decide to move a couple of years down the line. You can add another nothing to the value, probably another couple of zeros to the value of, of the cash you're likely to take on rather than the cash you could take on now moving down to one of the academies and then never been heard of again for, for quite a few years. So yeah, I think you've got to think long and hard. Louis Perry was, uh, uh, as I said, we you, you were talking about him and what I would say is he went to Broughty Athletic and he was no big time Charlie. I spoke to, I spoke to the, the manager at Broughty Athletic at the time and he told me that Louis Perry was prepared. He, he also trained two nights a week the part time set up, he came over and he, he didn't just come in and train and go home. He, he came in, you know, he, he, he mingled well with, with the lads. He he was the sort of guy who'd be prepared to stay on, help tidy up the change room, pick up the balls, the cones and the nets and everything, you know, and they really appreciated him for that because obviously we, they've seen a few professional players come in and think that they're better. And and Louis Perry wasn't like that. And, and fair play to Louis, and he's gone back to Tannis. And while he's, he's, he's not getting as much game time as he's probably like, He's still in the picks, and I think I believe he's still got something to offer. I think he's a really, a really talented lad. I think, and I think certainly at that level, he looks as though he he, he can cope with that sort of level of football. And uh, it's a credit to him, and obviously his parents as well, that you know he's he's got the right sort of attitude that to just get just get stuck in and get on with things. Um, So yeah, if they're looking for examples of where they should go, they should maybe speak to him first before before they take that on board.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Moving away. From transfer news at United, the, the coming out the the word coming out from the club this week was they've linked up with Fulham in a new cooperation deal. Which I have to say, when when I read the headline, I yawned and thought, not again. But looking into it, I can see that the way this one seems to be structured, there might be something in it for both clubs. Uh, before I come to you too, the reason I say that I always think uh, these things are great in theory. Where you say we'll share players and share that, but one one of the things that always sort of strikes me, especially a London club, notorious London boys don't like to leave. You go to a kid and say go up to go up to Dundee United for a year. And there's somebody, somebody in the Eastman Premier League wants them. That's only forty <laughs> minutes away from their house, and they go, "Now, nah, thanks, mate." <laughs> and and that that's often the big stumbling block when clubs say will share players. They forget that you have actually have to get the players to agree to that. But I see that this one they're talking about sort of a scouting relationship and maybe coaches having spells at stuff like that. So they're well, I don't think it will be the the great earth shattering change to both clubs' fortunes that they'll obviously say it's going to be there might be some worth in something like this
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting um, and it makes sense for United to try and tap into a, a big club but the, obviously Fulham are, are going to have a much bigger budget the, than United have just the fact they play in the English Championship and have they're probably still getting parachute payments from from getting relegated from the Premier League so it, Strikes me as a no brainer for United to try and tap into whatever knowledge they've got, whatever facilities or, or whatever they've got. Um, ideally, you'd like to be able to loan some players as well, as you mentioned. Um, that wasn't really mentioned in their uh, statements, but you'd think that could be a possibility down the line. I get the feeling that Fulham quite like the look at United's academy, the way it's shaping up, and the players that are coming out, and they may, might want first-choice options for for players coming coming through that. But it's one of these things that you have to give and take, and hopefully United might be able to get a lot from it.
0: Yeah, and and, and Bear, the, I mean, the thing that's, as I mentioned, I, I quite like, I was interested in the bit about scouting, because, um, I mean, just last year I spoke to Peter Marr for your namesake Steve Finnan's uh, excellent book on Jim McLean. And uh, Peter had said to me that Dundee... During his time in charge, they got alerted to Stephen Boyack through a meeting about football in general with Jim McLean. And Jim McLean said, look, this you should look at this boy in Rangers' reserves. He's good enough for us, but the, his position mm-hmm. central midfield, we are very well covered. And I just wonder, you know, it's that kind of thing that um, a United scout or a Fulham scout, a United scout could go and see a player and say, look, they're asking five or six million for this boy. That's out of our price range. But you should have a look at him. And likewise, you might get them, Fulham saying, because they obviously hope to be back in the, the the English Premiership, saying, look, we've seen this kid playing in for whoever. It's uh, not quite good enough for the English Premiership, but he's in your price range, you mm-hmm. might do. That, that kind of thinking of, let's say, if nothing else, it saves money sending scouts all over the world.
2: No, it'd be, it'd be certainly be good to think that that sort of thing will go on. And I'm sure that that's one of the things that, that may well go on. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're not going to see Alexander Mitrovic heading north to Tandise <coughs> on a loan deal. <coughs> or Xander Zander, Mitrovic, we should be calling him. <laughs> <laughs> Ech.
1: Ech. Ech.
2: You know, but certainly... You've sold your Dundee yeah. roots, haven't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm thinking what George was saying is correct. I think that Fulham... May well be aware of what's going on at Tandice with the amount yeah. of talented youngsters there is at the club, and this this would give them, you know, a, a, a first a first option. You would think, you would yeah. think they would get the first oppor- yeah. first opportunity to to get these players. I also, think it's good, just on a on a sort of a, a PR basis. It raises awareness of the club, and we're in this global world now, town We are. You know, anything that raises your profile online, et cetera, it's good. Yeah. It's good. It gets, you, it gets you out there. And Fulham, there's a good chance that Fulham will be back in amongst the big boys of the Premier League next season. Um, so, yeah, any sort of link up like that, can you can never, never. I don't think it's, it can be anything wrong. And if, if it helps on all levels, commercial, retail, etc., as well as the academy and the football side, then it can only be a win-win for Dundee United.
0: Yeah. I would add to what I would say, the, the sort of, how had a wee yawn when I saw the headline. Most of these deals do peter out, but that doesn't mean to say that if one works eventually, it can be worth a lot to you. And and, and, and these are the kind of things that you like to see clubs keep trying and keep tinkering with, if you like, the details of the deals to see if they can get them to work, because they should uh, be able to benefit from that kind of cooperation.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just... As I say, it's, it's, it's one of these things for, for, for United. Why not? Why not try it? See what happens, and you know, hopefully, a couple of years down the line, you know, the, the, both clubs will benefit benefit from it. I'm hoping that the the, the, the half a dozen really, really talented Dundee United, United youngsters are on the plane for Fulham. I've got to say. But if they are, let's hope that United are well-reimbursed for that That very Or part. at least
0: the club run buses so you can see all the <laughs> yeah, players exactly. that came through the academy <laughs> get, get a weekend in London to see our great, our great talent emerging. Anyway, that seems to be that for United. There'll be more after this. Turning our attention to Dundee... Wee bit disappointed as a fan, I have to say that, that there's nobody arrived yet because it was it's been clear for a while uh, through nobody's fault that they, they would need some bodies, uh, George. But the big mm-hmm. the big question mark this week seems to be: Will Lee Griffith stay or go back?
1: It's been pretty quiet. Um, I, think, I think fans are maybe getting a wee bit. Anxious that nobody's come in the door, but well, I think you could call it panic in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel that you're better off being a bit patient and doing good good business later in the window rather than doing bad business bad business right at the start of the window. Um but we'd like them to do some business at some point. Um well Lee Griffiths it's an interesting one um because obviously he hasn't being the league Griffiths we know uh, obviously. Uh, in Tarkery, right? he showed a wee glimpse of that up at up at Bataudry with that amazing free kick they scored. In terms of, uh, will it happen or, or not? I, I, I'm, I'm at. We're recording this podcast before I head to Den spark and speak to the manager about it. So, kind of aware that things may change in the in the. In the space I don't in know. The do you get? Can you get a stop minutes,
0: press but... on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Disregard um, everything he's said. I know my, my feeling uh, at the start of the window was it he would be here for the the rest of the the season, but as this week's kind of gone on, I, I've started to, to wonder if that's going to be the case. Um, but if league, if they do decide to end the, the the loan deal and Griffiths heads back to Celtic, you, they'll be needing another striker because we're expecting Jason Cummings to. To head off if he can find a new club. Uh, and that only really leaves Danny Mullen. Um so it might be the case that they they hold on and see if they can get a replacement and if they don't, then the League Griffiths could still be here. That's that's my feeling before I speak to the manager about it. That's that's my feeling of what might happen. Yeah, and if that makes any sense.
0: I don't know. It, it, it certainly does, George. It always makes sense when you speak. Not that I ever listen. But what I was going to say, Bear, I'm not um, as I can't claim to be someone who's known for praising the Dundee hierarchy. But in this instance, you have to say they've done the right thing in having a break clause in the Lee Griffiths loan deal that they can actually consider if it hasn't worked out sending them back in January. Because in the past, at Dundee and other clubs, that that wee clause is one that's often forgotten and you can be lumbered with somebody for a whole season.
2: <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I wouldn't say being lumbered with Lee Griffiths is, is going to be a bad thing at this point in time. I still think that he's got something to offer. I say I do believe that his fitness hasn't been up to scratch and, and why that's a key. Okay. I think it's more match fitness than actual general fitness. Although he does look as though he is carrying a few extra pounds, I've got to say, when you see him on the park. But it's just that half yard that he's missing, Tam, um, which makes uh, the world the difference if, if you are a striker. Will Lee Griffiths be allowed to leave? Will Dundee send him back? They can't, George. They, they can't not send him back unless James McPake has got something else lined up. You've just mentioned, Cummins has almost certainly played his last game for Dundee. You, you, you see no way back for that, unfortunately. So Dundee cannot allow Lee Griffiths to leave unless James McPake has got something lined up. And I know... You've said that it's been really quiet and fans like myself and Tom are beginning to panic just a wee bit. But, but, you know, the quietness shouldn't be taken. that There isn't any work going on behind the scenes. I'm sure that James McPake Mm -hmm. is working round the clock to get bodies in. Now, it may be the case that there are a couple of higher profile players in there. And higher profile players that are available tend to have more than one option. So it could be that it could be towards the end of the window, which is bad news for Dundee because the the season will have kicked off again before that actually happens. Mm. But James McPake is a big fan of, of of Lee Griffiths. He's a former teammate. He knows him really well. I think he'll still pin his faith in Lee Griffiths and look to bring someone else in that can get the best out of Lee Griffiths. There are other areas of the park that they need to strengthen as well. Obviously, we'll touch on that later. But Griffiths is a, is the main one. Uh, he's a man that's played at his level has got something in his locker that can be the difference between Dundee uh, ultimately being relegated or being even being involved in, in in the sort of the scramble towards the end of the season. If Lee Griffiths can hit a purple patch, it could make a world of difference for Dundee over over a period of six or seven or eight games, like Tony Watt has done in the first half of the season for Motherwell. Lee Griffiths is capable of doing exactly the same thing for Dundee if we can get the opportunities to him. Now, we're not seeing what Lee Griffiths is doing on the training pitch, but I, I'd be very surprised if you know uh, if James McPake would, would would have allowed him to stay this long if he wasn't a, putting a shift in on, on the training ground. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that that one works out. But in terms of incomings, I'm sure James McPake is, is sort of working 24-7 to
0: get bodies into the club. Is that the big thing, George, that's going to be in the back of James McPake's mind, like as Bear says, he knows Lee Griffiths very well personally and as a teammate. And, and, and in the past, he's had, maybe not as long as this one, but he's had lean spells, but he's a, he's a boy that can explode into life almost overnight and, and score for months on end, you know, regularly. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly not a decision I'd like to have to make, I must admit.
1: Yeah, the 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 personal relationship I think plays a big part in it as well because obviously it's been kind of well documented. Lee Griffiths has had uh, troubles off the field and things like that. And when you're, I don't, I don't want to put myself in James Pick's boots, but there might be that concern if he sends him back. Then what happens to the person then after that? That might be then he's thinking. I know fans want to, we're really interested in the in the football on the pitch, but that's, that's something that may come into at the manager's mind. In terms of the form, you hope that that goal against Aberdeen is one that can really ignite the fire in him again. Um, it was a difficult day that with obviously all the players missing and, uh, and things like that. Maybe the break hasn't come at a good time for for Lee Griffiths himself because there's a bit of a spell after that after scoring that goal. Um, I don't. Just have to wait. It's really difficult because he, he hasn't been up to up to scratch really so far. A um, couple of wee glimpses, but my main worry is that he, he hasn't missed that many chances. That's the thing that strikes me o- over his time at Dundee so far this season. It's not like he just hasn't been able to find the net. He hasn't been getting yeah. the chances, uh, and that, that that's the main worry for me going ahead throughout the rest of the the season is, is whether you'll he, be in. Whether that's to do with being unfit or, or what have you, it's just not happened for him. Whether it's that'll change in, in the second half of the season, it's a gamble either way. I would say Um if you send him back, then how, you always have that nagging feeling. Oh, what, what well, if we kept know. him and then, and then he, he turned good? Um I think it's a really tricky one for the man. That's uh, why being a manager is uh, a rubbish job. <laughs> 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 As
0: Beer says, though. The, the, We know this time of year how busy managers are, so uh, you can bet your life that James McPake's working late into the night, every night, speaking to other managers, agents, players, coaches, and um, he's already looked to strengthen, probably for a short-term fix, uh, at the back, because Paul Watson's been training uh, there, I believe, George.
1: Uh, Yeah, he joined them this week for for a trial period. This is obviously a free agent after leaving Dunfermline under a, a bit of a cloud, shall we say? Um bit of a falling out uh with the Dunfermline management after a unsanctioned leave of absence, I, I think we'll maybe call it. Um not what I would have called my stack do, but I think that's that was what happened. Um so that's an interesting one uh, whether that colours any thinking. Um, every time I dealt with Paul Watson, at Dundee United, I, I thought he was—I thought he was really good to deal with. It.
0: Yeah, it's, fu- it's funny um, right? that there, there was a disciplinary issue. then surprised he, me. He, he, someone you would describe as the consummate pro.
1: Yeah, it did. It really surprised me because always when when there's bad days for for clubs, I always have a lot of respect for the players that come out and speak. And he came out and spoke, no problem, after the yeah. playoff defeat. To me, and he spoke really well, and I, I, I always have a bit of respect for for a player that can kind of uh, that's willing to come out in front. I never had. In his time like, at United, he yeah. never hid on the park. He never hid off the park when things were when things
0: were going wrong. He always he's, he's got his limitations as a player. There's there's no doubt about that. But but he always gave everything he had, as I say, on and off the park. And I I was a big admirer of him, of him as a person. I must admit.
1: I, th- I thought he was unfortunate not to get a contract when United went up because he he, he had a good season in that, that championship winning team that obviously the league was cut short. Um, I'm, I'm not sure he's had quite the same impact at, at Dunf- when he was at Dunferland. Um Obviously, they've struggled a wee bit the last couple of years. Um, he is versatile as well because he played fullback back yes. for a fair spell which might be in his favour because obviously Corey Panther, the man who never appeared in, until Boxing Day, he he was kind of backup for the fullback positions. That that might be might be a handy handy add just to have a, that option. I, I do. If Paul Watson convinces June that he's, he's good enough to sign. I. It's not a first choice option. I, I think it's a, a squad man who can play in a couple of positions.
0: Yeah, and as I look at your notes for this week's show, George, it occurs to me that, I mean, hopefully there will be a few new faces coming into the dressing room uh, by the end of the month. But uh, the one that could have the biggest impact that strikes me could be a returnee in the shape of Finn Robertson.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing Finn back. Obviously, when he came through, he's a a lovely midfielder, really nice to watch, really keeps the ball in it. Wins the ball back really well. My concern is he, has, he hasn't been getting as much game time as you would like at Cove. Uh, they have a very experienced midfield. I think uh, Fraser Fivey and Ian Vigors and somebody else whose name escapes me. Um, but he's Probably generally been us <laughs> Um We all know he's got the talent. Um, the the worry my my worry is that he was put out on loan because he wasn't getting a game because Sean Byrne was in really good form uh, and they they are the kind of he that's his position really so he couldn't get past Sean Burns so he got sent out on loan then Sean Byrne gets injured and Dundee are a bit hamstrung because Finn Robertson's out on loan but now Finn comes back Sean Burns back from from injury so my concern is he just is back on the bench. But that's up to the lad, I suppose, yeah. to, to push himself.
0: Bear, am I going too far out on the limb here to say that if... I May mean, I was surprised he went out on loan, I must admit, because when I saw him, when he broke into the team, what occurred to me, if that laddie was French or Spanish, they'd be raving about him. Mm-hmm. Because technically... <clears throat> made it, and, and what we touched on it earlier, there, there's more to the football at that level than just your technical ability. But really... I was taken aback the first time I saw him by the level of his technical ability. And I I think I mean, he's, he's an immense talent.
2: No, he is. He is. And, you know, James, James McPake has got complete faith in this lad, as, as he showed by putting him in as a 16-year-old in derby matches and things like that. I think there's been a lot of circumstances, unfortunate circumstances have conspired against Finn Robertson, um, He's obviously when he came into the team, he played with a real freedom. I think you know he played like he didn't have a care in the world. He didn't, didn't the, the situation, Dundee found himself in, and, the, and the, the gravity of games didn't didn't affect him. He just played like he was playing in an under sixteen done Dundee under sixteen match. Took the ball, did the things that he was taught to do, moved it on well, passed the ball well, got tackles in. You know, and he looked a right, a right, right prospect. At only sixteen, you, you thought the only way was up for him. Unfortunately, he. He was hit by injuries. Unfortunately, he, he lost his place in the team. Unfortunately, the Dundee midfield became the engine room that, that drove them on. You know, through the the championship that, that season, Sean Byrne really, as as George has mentioned, stepped up to the plate. But there were there were other guys in there, like, like Paul Mac- McGowan. Paul McMullen was signed. It was very very difficult for Finn Robertson to get back in the team, and he, he's gone up to to Cove to get games. Now, unfortunately, again. Because cover Cove is sort of although they're in that League One, they do have a, a fairly hefty budget, and you can see that by their squad. And it's one of these things, Tom. The manager's paying a lot of money for these guys like Fraser Fivey and Ian Viggers. Now, if he was to leave them on the bench in favour yeah. of Finn Robertson, that's a tough call. Mm. That's a really tough call. So maybe the best thing for Finn is, is to come back to, to to Denz, and and I'm hoping that. I mean, he'll get great support. He might struggle initially to get in the team, but I'm hoping that when he does get in the team, you know, he he believes in himself. I think that's what he has to do first and foremost. Believes in his own ability that he's good enough to play there because he is. He has the ability to play in that team. We've seen that already. You know, and he has developed obviously physically over the last couple of years as well. But now he's got to go and take command of that area. When he's on the ball, he's got to take command. I know there are others in there like Charlie Adam and Paul McGowan and Sean Byrne and, and McGee, but if he's going to get himself in that team, he's got to show, start showing a, a lot of maturity. And he's still, he's still a young kid. And he should look just across the midfield to another guy who's come in and has claimed a place for himself in Max Anderson. Max Anderson was was a bit part player. Now, if you ask Dundee fans, He's one of the first names that should be on that team sheet because he gives Dundee something a wee bit different to other midfielders. And as much as the energy, the drive, the, the willingness to go up and down the park at base, and he's not afraid to put a tackle in. I would suggest that technically Finn Robertson is a, is a different player to Max Anderson, but it's a far better player than Max Anderson in terms of you know passing the ball, keeping the ball in possession in tight areas. You know, he's got to go, and you've got to you've got to grasp that opportunity when when he gets the chance. So, back at Denzel, it'll be a big six six months for him. Hopefully, his fitness is good, Um, and and we we see him, you know, before the season's out in a dark blue shirt again.
0: Yeah, Jordan, it occurred to me there. It's bear was speaking about the two of them. If there was, if Max Anderson's possibly the player, maybe next to Sean Byrne, you want standing in front of a marauding opponent to to be the man to stop him maybe next to Charlie Adam and inform Finn Robertson's the one you want to see your goalkeeper roll the ball out to because he's his level of ability.
1: Definitely. He's, 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 well, I wouldn't compare him to Glen Kamara but he's that, that type of midfielder that can, can knit the defence and the the front and the attacking players together. He can feed that ball through and keeps the ball really well. Always impressed with his ability to win the ball and tackles, which for his size, surprises sometimes, I think. Uh, He's he's very good at that. I just hope his head hasn't dropped, uh, not maybe getting as much game time as he thought he would at Cove. He admitted last season that his confidence had taken a bit of a hit after his injury. And hopefully, as Bear said, James would pick Loves Finn Robertson. He, he stuck him in as as soon as he could. I think he I think he asked. Um, well, no, he, he was in the team his very first game, wasn't he? So, um, if there's one manager who's, got, who's going to back him and, and really try and get his, his confidence and belief up, then it'll, it'll be James pick And the manager has shown he's not afraid to put him in, uh, even if there's more experienced players there. Interesting, though, because that midfield's going to. Charles Adams coming back, Sean Bond's coming back. The Centre midfield's starting to look very st- strong again after real struggles over, over the past couple of or past month or so, past six weeks. Um, so the, it, yeah, he's going to have his his work cut out to, to push himself into that team, but he, he's got to he's got to have the confidence to be able to do that.
0: Returning to the subject of. Uh... Potential new arrivals as I'm looking at my crystal ball and George's notes here. um, Are they really going to? Is there a chance Roberto Carlos is sorry, not Roberto Carlos, Greg Stewart?
1: (laughs) Obvious mistake to make for those who have seen his free kick in the Indian Premier League. I think, I think he scored more free kicks than Roberto Carlos has, though. Ah, well, I, I remember scored, seeing Roberto Carlos, Carlos say, like, by, by
0: the way, I hardly ever <laughs> scored a free kick in my life. I don't know what happened with that great one. But have you seen his free kick? Oh, it's amazing, unbelievable. isn't it? You always know. Yeah. It's, it's actually, I think I actually saw it on CNN. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: it's shown all around the world. That it's amazing the, the movement he put on the ball. I think it was actually he started it so far left of the post it was on a different pitch at one <laughs> time. it was nearly it nearly went out for a throw in and the next the next thing the goalkeepers in shock as the ball
1: nearly burst the net. <laughs> I know he, he does seem to be enjoying himself out, out there. Although, is I, I spoke to him in October when he, he was just he just arrived and the, all the games are played in Goa. There are all the teams are in the same place in this bubble to avoid COVID obviously. So I think he just stays in the hotel, goes to the beach, yeah. and then goes and plays football. It sounds not too bad to me. Um sounds like a perfect leaf for been missing... year. Yeah. <laughs> um I, I get it. I think he's he's coming back, I w- I would think. Um that's quite a short
0: season then, indeed. league, isn't it?
1: Yeah, they've con- I think they had to stop for COVID and then they've done this bubble thing. To, to get the season finished and it's condensed, I think he, I think it ends in March. I get the feeling that he'd be coming back. He, he was he was speaking in the papers this week about missing his family and stuff, and I have no doubt that Dundee would like to have him back. Um, and I I would expect that Dundee would be given making him an offer as well. Obviously, James McPike knows him well. When they played together, and, and Greg Stewart mentioned that he'd... Like had been in touch last summer before he went to India, but he wanted to go play abroad, see what it was like, try something different. Make lots um, of money. Yeah, that, you can't play one. Yeah, it. it's, it's, no, they, they pay they, they
0: pay big money out there. Yeah,
1: and uh, it does even more like, if you can <laughs> hold the cricket. But has to be said. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wouldn't su- absolutely would not surprise me if Dundee were trying to get him in the summer. But the one thing is. Dundee have to be in the Premiership if they want to get Greg Stewart back because he will have a lot of offers. The only way they'll get him back is if they stay up. And will they stay up, George? That's the big question. I think they will. But they, they need a bit of help at the moment. Uh, we'll, over the next couple of weeks, hopefully we'll see a bit of that. Good stuff.
0: Next we'll round up everything else that's been going on. Well... Here we are at the dregs of the program. <laughs> and we never never really thought we you, you would mention the Scottish Championship and the English Premier League uh, in the same breath. But <laughs> a week before Christmas, you'd have said they were the two closest leagues in the <laughs> in the British Isles. <laughs> no. Now we're left with the Scottish Championship thanks to Dick Campbell's
2: abroad. Discuss.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to speak about the English Premier League Liverpool have been well, stinking
2: I think if I go back a few months I think uh, I'm, if I dig, dig into the archives of the, the podcast I think we'll uh, we'll see that uh, I said two months ago that Manchester City would win the English Premier League and I'm not changing my mind I'm not changing my mind and no surprise there obviously but um, going to the, the championship the big question is can our bro hang on to, to that Top spot. It's uh, I've got a sneaking suspicion that they've done really well, and this is a this is a team that's be, been built now for quite a number of seasons going back. And it's it's not just the players in the team; it's the actual mentality of the club itself to get themselves to this point to believe that they can actually take it take it further. But I've got a feeling that part time football is going to come back and bite them in the backside. I hope not. But as the games pile up and these guys are going to have to play. Two, three games a week on a on a consistent basis. To ask them to do that and hold down full time jobs is going to be incredibly tough against against teams that have got their players resting right through the beat up to game time. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure that, that they're going to give it a, a, a real go. But it may, may well be that they will come up short, but I, I would still put, put money on them getting into the playoffs. And that might be actually their, their best avenue because I would back our growth. Over, over two like, games against the majority of teams in that league. It depends, obviously, who's coming down from the, the premiership. But I saw last season, uh, Dundee Dundee managed to see off Kilmarnock quite comfortably. So, yeah, I've just got a feeling that uh, the, the full-time aspect will, will be the telling factor in our growth this season.
0: Yeah, but as, as, as Baird says, maybe the playoffs would be a... Nobody would want to play our growth, and maybe more specifically, Dick Campbell. Uh, uh, I have to admit... I've always got this thing. Every time you see him interviewed, the, ah, oh, all these tactics and all this and that. When they played Inverness, uh, was it Boxing Day or January the 2nd, whatever, I, I've never been more convinced of a nailed-on draw because for <laughs> all for all Dick's talk, he is tactically so astute. And the one thing he knew, he, that was a game... Arbroath lose to Inverness in that game and in a lot of ways, people go, ah, oh, the bubbles burst. Hmm. And he's put his team out and made sure they didn't lose that game. They've maintained their, their their advantage at the top of the table and everyone's still speaking about them. And moving forward, it's that kind of astute awareness of what football is all about. That make makes them dangerous, doesn't it, George?
1: Definitely. I've, I've no doubt they'll still be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. I think losing... Uh, the Livy Liv- Liv- striker, play N- N- if I can pronounce that properly. The big lad. Uh, well, was, good yeah. player. Uh, he was very good. He was excellent. Um, proper talisman for them. Losing them a, a blow. Although he, he didn't score a huge amount of goals. Michael is the, the big goals man. So it might not be as big a, a loss a, as it looks. I, I think they'll still be up there coming the end of the season. And taking... Bear's point about part-time football. I think Dick Campbell's quote uh, last week was: "People think we're a bunch of monkeys because we play part-time, or something, something along yes. those lines, about people not taking them very seriously because they're part-time." And I think, I think there's maybe not quite a yeah. chip on the shoulder, but there's there's a there's a desire there to prove people wrong that you can be successful.
2: I, I didn't Even mean it like you know that in, that in, in any aspect time. whatsoever. You know, I know, I know.
0: So I know so you but but that in you know, itself, yeah. that's classic I don't how you say, you're, yeah. you're going to win the league. Don't be ridiculous, we're part-time. <laughs> but if you say you can't <laughs> win the league because we're part-time, well, we're not just having a laugh. So He's, he's great, isn't he? Yeah. He, uses, he uses everything to his team's advantage, which given the, he's, the, the experience he's got, it's maybe not a surprise, but... it's an amazing story and I mean and I think is it fair to say it's a totally different level and different circumstances but just the fact that Leicester won the English Premiership a few years ago when right up until March, February the the longer people write them off the happier he'll be
2: No that's absolutely absolutely the case you use it and he uses it in the right manner (laughs) every team that every person that that writes our growth off you can guarantee Dick will use it to his advantage and his team's advantage and, 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 and as you know, a spurt to go and prove people wrong. He's been doing it all his life, hasn't he? With, with clubs yeah. and he's doing it with Arbroath at this point in time. Um i would be great to see. I mean, why not? Why shouldn't Arbroath get himself into the Premier League? My big question is, is Gayfield... I've said this before, but I've still got my doubts. Is Gayfield qualified to host Premier League games? Has he got the capacity at this point in time? I worked, I worked in Arbroath for two years in the 80s and I used
0: to wonder if Gayfield... Fantastic facility, fantastic pitch, and I used to still wonder: Is this actually fit for a game of football? When it when when it was September, I had three coats on, and and I mean, it's the only ground in Scotland I have seen a goal kick get blown back into the penalty area and have to be retaken. It's and hey, but again, Arbroath use it to their advantage because they're they're. The last thing they want is this mild winter to continue. That a nice, <laughs> a nice windy day at Gayfield when one of the, yeah. the when a Kilmarnock or an Inverness have to go there again.
2: The thing is, too, Tom. I mean, I've seen our both, and the one thing I always, you know, I, I'm amazed at is the surface always looks terrific. It always looks like it's a, a terrific surface. It's, they've still got grass. It would have been quite easy for them to, to put the. You know, the plastic down there, well, maybe that wouldn't have been such a good idea given that the gale force wind that something blows down that north. Oh, well,
0: that, see, that that was one of the depressing things when I worked there. It was, at, the only time I never saw, when I worked here in the 80s, I never saw a game postponed and the, I once was at a game that was abandoned because the wind was so fierce. The players were in danger of getting exposure because it was so, the 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 wind chill was so cold that they were standing actually so I won't I won't name the player, but I saw an experienced centre half from the opposition. Uh, his warm-up consisted of him reaching the touchline uh he swore, turned round and went back in the dressing room mm. and wasn't seen until three o'clock because <laughs> it was so <laughs> cold. The, the rain was horizontal. And that was the actual game that did get called yeah. off late in the second half because the referee came across to the bench and said some of the players are actually, their, hand, yeah. their hands were going you know, blue. I, I firmly, and he was worried about their yeah, health.
2: I think that if they did put an a synthetic surface down, you'd get more games called off. Because quite simply, they wouldn't be able to place the ball for set plays, yeah. you know. Nowadays, uh-huh. obviously, if it's grass, you're able to take a chunk of the grass and, and you know uh-huh. put it in. But you can't do that. On, you can't do that on plastic. You, know, you, you need to get somebody to put their finger on it to hold it while you're running up to take the goal kicks and things. And you know, <laughs> referees wouldn't have that. So, you know. I mean, for all the win too, though. But it is, it's always
0: a great pitch. It's mm-hmm. a great surface, and I'd both show that. They're, 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 I mean, whether whether tiredness becomes an issue because they're not able to train as often as the other teams in the league. They're a good football team.
2: Yeah, he's got he, he's, he's got himself a, a, a right good side, a right good side, a good blend of experienced, good young lads, fit players, guys who come on. They look as though they're... Every time I see our bro, the substitutes look as though they're absolutely bursting to get on the park. You look at other clubs and the subbies mm. are... You know, they don't look as though they're interested coming on the park. You look at our bro, it's like Dick's got to hold them back before they go on. Yeah. It's like All right, One, <laughs> two, three, go, and they're away. And that's, that's 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 the whole. It seems to be the whole sort of feature of the club. It's it's brilliant, and that only comes from from one person, Dick Campbell, and his coaching staff, and it's rubbed right off on on the team. You know, the the boardroom and the, the arbroath the wider community, are both and you can see that they're improving their improving their their attendances. You know, week on week. He's done. It. It's a remarkable job. There's a definite. There's a definite Netflix Netflix series <laughs> in the there somewhere.
1: Oh, imagine <laughs> that behind I the scenes with Dick Campbell. Oh. I
0: just love it. <laughs> it would be called B. <laughs> um, George, at the risk of having a jibe at you, which I will. Is another thing in their favour has to be the fact that uh, there's no pressure on them. They're, they've already achieved their goal, their major goal for the season, and that they won't get relegated. And maybe with the exception of Queen of the South, who I can never work out why your beloved Dunhamers have never. Really been in the, never been in the Premier League. Everyone else in that league pretty much starts the season with the fans demanding promotion.
1: Pretty much. I mean, I was just having a look at the table there, and you've obviously got the Fairman at the wrong end. he would be definitely looking for promotion. Yeah, Hamilton Akies are, are not long down. You've got Kamarnik struggling and having to change manager, uh, which could be an interesting one. Obviously, Partick Thistle are a big club with ambitions. Inverness, been up there a long time. Wraith Rovers are a very good side and they've yeah. been going strong. I mean, these are all really big clubs, good teams, good managers, but our both are outstripping them at the moment. Um, my team has no chance, obviously, because we're rubbish. But um, yeah, we, we haven't been in the top flights
0: what, since
1: the, the uh, 60s, since I think.
0: Seoul's first Division, which, given, yeah, the size of, I, I can, given the size of uh, Dumfries and in, in the area, that yeah, I I don't understand that, George.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> other than you're, the, the, Dundee, you're <laughs> the
0: Dundee, of the <laughs> south of Scotland.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what cost? I, I can't I can't believe Ewan's missed this this podcast. This week, it's chosen the wrong week to be off, and we're we're lauding our yet again. You'd be you Where going. is
0: he? Is he is he resigned and taking up a career in darts or something like that? Because that seems to be his <laughs> passion. <laughs> yeah, he's
1: he's alan Suter's new pr
0: i think Uh, but i saw him on facebook he's making his wife watch the final and everything like that really (laughs) he's (laughs)
1: maybe yeah i think maybe he's making it up to a bit of time off so
0: i just had a holiday in london for goodness sake
2: (laughs) (laughs) going to the darts singing singing old football songs kind of jobs up you got a taste of the big time down there sky tv and the media, <laughs> the media rooms. Now it's back to reality and Gayfield in the press box.
1: <laughs> Gayfield. Uh, he's, oh, yeah, He's obviously too big for two teams one street, uh, no, that's it.
0: Yeah, he's got. He's, he's a London boy now. He's probably dressed as a Perry <laughs> King or something like that. Knowing you. In. That's, that's why. That's why you two are too scared to go away. That's, <laughs> that's why you never miss an episode. Because if you do, you get slaughtered. You <laughs> to Anyway, that's about it. We've managed to make this so far quiet transfer window seem busy. No wonder we've lasted 150 episodes. Here's to the next one.
2: If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple
0: rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us.
2: Don't forget to pick up your copy of The Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tandice. Or go to tele.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your
0: door.